the soul of Detroit. A Red Shovel production. Starring M.L. Elric, an innocent victim of blind justice, falsely convicted for the murder of his wife. Reprieved by fate when a train wreck freed him en route to the death house. Freed him to hide in lonely desperation, to change his identity, to toil at many jobs. Freed him to search for Sean Windsor. He saw leave the scene of the crime. Freed him to run before the relentless pursuit of Mark Bellhauer, obsessed with his capture. Hang on, Zoobs, uh, we're going to have to restart. <laughs> uh, this Facebook is not muted. What a great way to start. Oh, and we're on the right Facebook page, right? ML, no periods? <laughs> well, you're live right now, so yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead. No intro. Everybody live can see it. What a disaster. <laughs> we'll do it live? We'll do it live! We'll do it live. But folks, the fucking thing sucks! <laughs> <laughs> Play right. us out. What does that mean, Sean? What does that mean? Well, folks, you gotta hear the intro. I mean, you were making yourself the hero like you always do. I mean, what the fuck's the difference? Why do they need to hear the intro? We, we, You're the hero. We're the we're the we are whatever the bad guys, the ones taking your soul, stealing your soul. I mean, we hear that every week. Why do we need I'm, to hear it? We I've are. always thought of us as family. <laughs> What's that like to have a drone's view of the world every day? Does that ever get tiring? I, I, I drone on. I don't know that I soar above the clouds. I've, I've just I've returned from the valley of the shadow of death. I thought there might be a little warmer reception here, but um, well, you know, well, you have perhaps a lot more... the coldness from that garage floor is seeping up through your feet. I don't know. Would you make very me, mortal soul? When you make me the killer of your wife in the uh, in the intro, you know what I mean? That's just, uh, I'm not feeling the warmth, you know what I mean? And you make Mark the, the cop who, who wants to take you down, whether you actually did it or not. We're already, we're already off to a bad start when all I wanted to do was celebrate Being the much-deserved national. Oh, yeah, there's that too. But, uh, but the national championship for your Michigan State Spartans defeated Kansas by one point in an inspiring run through the Sweet 16, a series of single-digit victories ultimately resulted in the third national championship in Michigan State basketball history and the second for Tom Izzo. So I'd like to congratulate our virtual victory. Um, fortunately, with no students in town, there was no property damage to mar this milestone, but uh, well-earned and uh, I'm sure just as valid as every other national championship this year that was won by other teams, including one that I saw was won by Ohio State of all teams. So, so does that uh, mean that Izzo will virtually retire now, Sean? I know you know him. He cried. He, you know, he, he hugged Cassius Winston. They celebrated. I mean, 20 years apart to win your title. So I think that's a record, if I'm not mistaken. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I would I would expect him to, uh, to yeah, to be done. 
We are that starved for sports. Yeah, I think he's done. Yeah, I mean, he got his second oh, title. Cool. Nine, nine Final Fours. Is that nine? I think I think that's right. Yeah, they should hang a banner too. Why not? Yeah. What What more does he have to do? No, he's done. Maybe a holographic banner. You know, like it's yeah. just digital. You yeah, know, no, no, not, not so that while one. it's hanging up there, if a bird flies through it, it sort of has a little rendering problem or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm 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 ready. I I could use a celebration. Well, anyways, uh, as you know, we've we've got Sean Windsor there um, uh, somehow. Say it. Just go ahead. Just go ahead and say it. Fostering his enmity in a in a garage somewhere in in a in a land of good feeling and expensive sandwiches, and then Mark Mark Fellhauer at the Red Shovel Bunker, who um, is keeping the show going. It's nice. And to know. in case it, nobody else makes it, he's been chosen to restart the human race. He's got. Oh. Uh, He's got a magazine, some Kleenex, <laughs> a Petri dish, and, um, and, and a cloning uh, machine. And a Tinder account. It's so, really uh, nice to know that your brush with death has changed you in no shape or fashion. It's made me stronger. Oh, that's, that's a frightening thing. We can hear it in your voice. Yeah. That's right. I, I'm, I'm now uh, spending my spare time uh, washing the feet of hobos. <laughs> Just to show well, you know, the, the, uh, there's no fear here. Fear has well, no fear. The interesting thing is that um, after you spent a couple of weeks in bed, your beard didn't, I mean, it didn't grow at all. So I wonder if the coronavirus has some sort of effect in that way, you know, with, with body hair, facial hair. I actually am, am in, uh, in thinking about getting some serious clippers out because the worst thing about this isolation is I'm starting to get the Rand Paul hairdo, and that's not good. <laughs> That's not good at all. Uh, what is your plan for that? Because I already told uh, my six-year-old she's cutting my hair this weekend. I'm not joking. I'm going to let her take clippers to my hair. Why you don't? Ha- Come on, man. it's not that long. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of options right now, but I don't want to rush into anything. And, what, if, what if she's really and good? Since at I'm it? on furlough this week from the free press because every everyone at the free press has taken a week off, um, I got time to plan it out. Here's the here's the the, the crazy thing. I came back to the free press as a part-timer. I've pretty much been working full-time because we're all hands on deck with this coronavirus. But when the furloughs came down, I was told I'm exempt because I'm a part-timer, but I told the bosses to make me uh, uh, take the furlough anyways because I didn't think it was right that here I am as a part-timer who's going to be working more than the full-timers. So, uh, so I do have some time on my hands to try and figure this stuff out. And maybe even to uh, finally get my taxes done. So, so who is going to cut your hair? And by the way, Mark, yeah, why do you want to cut your hair? I mean, it looks fine. You, you're not playing for Bo Schembechler, and this is in 1972. Come on, man, it's too long. <laughs> I don't know. I just want it. I want it cut. It's bothering me. Do I really? need? A, do I need a reason? Well, that yeah. that that destroys my theory that the only reason you got haircuts is because you like to have. Black lesbians give you shampoos. Hey, she's great, man. Don't knock no, on my style. No, it's pretty hot to me. I'm not knocking it. I'm trying to get a referral. I'm going to need her when it's, this is done. You're going to end up with dreads. I That's will say be... you, you have far more energy today than you did last week. He does. Um, are you technically, do you technically still have COVID-19? Uh, I think they say that if you have it, it typically sticks around for 14 days. So I should probably be on the tail end of it. But one of the things that they tell you with the testing, and and we'll we'll put the video of my test up so that people can see it and you can see just how long that swab is 
that I thought was going to go all the way through the roof of my damn skull. But um, they, they say that if you've gone three days without symptoms, then you can consider yourself past it. So I still have a low-grade fever. But this cough, which I still don't believe is any kind of symptom of this thing because I've had it for too damn long, is just about gone. So that's a nice thing. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I feel so much better. And I really appreciate you guys carrying the show so well last week because I didn't feel that great. But it wasn't until we started rolling that I really realized I have no idea what's going on. I am completely spaced out. How the hell are we going to get through the next hour? And somehow we did. And, um, and I wanted to thank everybody who put all kinds of nice, encouraging messages on social media and responded to the show and, uh, and to everybody over the past week, you know, when this crisis started, we were getting groceries for a, a young woman we know who's raising a couple kids on her own. She's making like 10 bucks an hour cleaning law offices. We've had a longstanding relationship with her because she went to school with one of my daughters and, and um, we just kind of, it was just something that you do. You help people out. You don't really even seem to think about it that much. But I will tell you, when people are contacting you about stuff and when they want to bring things to your house and they want to help you out and they leave things on your porch, that is uh, one of the most humbling things that can ever happen. And it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very difficult thing, but it's a, it's a very wonderful thing when people do things like that. And um, it's made me appreciate the opportunity to help people more before I kind of took it for granted that we could help people. I mean, we should, it, you know, it's not even anything you have to think about. It's just something you should do. But when people do it for you, it's um, it really reminds you what a privilege it is to be able to, uh, to be there for other people. So I'm looking forward to delivering groceries soon and, and not picking them up off my porch anymore because uh, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of cliches out there about counting your blessings, but uh, if people who are feeling good don't feel lucky, then, uh, then I think they really need to take a look at uh, what their priorities are because they're missing something. And um, it's the kind of thing you can't get anywhere else. When you got your test result back, were you shocked because uh, of disbelief or were you worried for what it meant? Or were you actually relieved because now you knew why you were ill? Oh, I was thinking in your face fell Howard. I was like, here we <laughs> that's, go. That's what it's really <laughs> about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then, um, then it said positive, but it's, it's weird. It says, you know, out of range. And then I'm like, well, what does that mean? That's good. I'm not out of the range of of uh i'm out of the range of uh coronavirus that sounds good but then when you click through it says you know positive so i was uh i was staggered i was really surprised wait and, what can you what do you mean out of the range well i th i think and i don't understand how they they these terms on these charts because i a reader of the free press uh, saw my story about getting tested, which you can still find at freep.com. And she said, well, you, you should set up an account with the testing company. No one tells you you can set up an account with the testing company. And when you set that account up, it will, um, it will um, get you your results faster. So I did. And, um, and one of the things it says is out of range. Well, I think what they mean is uh, if you're in range, 
there's nothing weird. You know what I mean? You're all oh, you're okay. within all the parameters and so nothing's out of range. Gotcha. So out of range, I think is bad. Yeah. But if there's any ambiguity when you click through and it says, you know, positive for COVID-19, then that, that pretty much answers your, your question right there. But I was, uh, you know, I mean, my, my first concern was, um, you know, I didn't want my daughters to be upset when I told them because they've been doing a pretty good job of keeping things running here at the house. Uh, I didn't want my mom to be upset because she's at home. She's in her seventies and she's, uh, calling all the time. And, uh, so I had to take a few minutes to kind of compose myself. And then I just started telling people. <laughs> and of course I was the only one who was surprised. They're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we figured. So, wow. so I went from being very concerned that I was going to cause some sort of disruption to feeling like a jerk. Any symptoms for you, Mark? No, none whatsoever. No, but anytime I cough, I I'm just convinced that that's the beginning of it. Well, we were together the three of us a couple of weeks ago, so that's why I asked. No, no, believe me, there's been people in my household that have been counting the days since then. Because I think St. Patrick's Day was the last time we were here. Not only right. were you here, but so was John Rutherford, and uh, I forget I forget his name from. Oh, it's nice that I forget a sponsor's name from. Carl Altus. from Altus. Carl from Altus. We gotta we gotta give Altus a shout out. In a Are they okay? Did you contact them? Yeah, no, they're they're doing well. They're uh, they're doing very well, and and Carl's wife had just had a medical procedure not too long before that. So, you know, you, you kind of worry about anybody who needs to have anything done um, at a hospital now. Yeah, you know, I think I think the worst thing you could do right now, the most dangerous thing that could possibly happen to you right now, is that you turn your ankle so badly that you have to go to an ER sure. because. You know, you're better. You're probably better sawing off your foot than you are going to a hospital. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. It would take, you know, damn near a heart attack or a horrific car accident for me to show up at the ER right now. You see the sto- you see the stories out of the last couple of days out of one out of Beaumont. I think yeah. one out of Henry Ford. The number of healthcare workers at Beaumont is what, 15? 1,500 that have infected. Mm-hmm. 500 in the Henry Ford system. I mean, that's staggering. I know. Yeah. No, it's, it's very scary. It's very scary. I'm getting a little um, sick of seeing stories of people that are quitting in the medical profession right now, because I understand why you would, because it's scary and you're afraid you're going to get it. But I'd rather hear more stories from the people that are still there because that's insane. And they're doing a great job or as good of a job as they can. But what a, what an insane situation right now. And all you see are the stories of the nurses quitting. And I just, I don't want to see that right now. Well, how about the stories, or not the stories, but how about the folks that still working in the grocery stores? Yeah. Pharmacies, because they're starting to get sick, too. And you know what's Maybe funny? Not at the same rate. Sorry, Mark. Not at the same rate, but still. And when this is all done and things get back to whatever the new normal is, which I'm a little sick of that phrase, too, they're going to forget about those people. We'll forget about, you know, all the things they did, sacrificing, you know, the shift workers. Uh, Hopefully the truck drivers, because this is a time when you realize you need representation. You need somebody to stand up for you so that if you get put in unsafe conditions, you have somebody to say, oh, hey, wait a minute. We're either not going to do that the way you want us to do it. You're going to listen to some feedback from us, like the bus drivers forced the city to listen and uh, about ways to improve safety on the buses. Or you're going to give us some hazard pay. or You're going to make sure you realize that once this is passed, just how valuable we are, because I can tell you from being a union negotiator, you know, boy, everybody, everybody, everybody tells you how valuable you are until it's time to get something from them. And then it's like, well, you know, we probably, 
yeah, okay, yeah, there's no, there's no, yeah, probably. You need us, folks. The robots don't run the place yet. By the way, Mike, before we, we move on to another topic or subject, uh, that was a really nice, uh, heartfelt uh, message you had there about folks delivering and bringing you stuff. It's really something. It, 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 you, I think you used the word humbling. Maybe you didn't. I can't remember, but but it is very humbling. And uh, that was nice. To, that was nice to hear you say that. Mark said you hadn't changed, but after <laughs> listening to that, I I maybe disagree with him. I thought that was beautiful, my friend. Thank you. I I should probably note that Sean didn't drop anything by my house here in Gross Point. <laughs> no, no, I do I, appreciate the kind. Nor did I. Uh, <laughs> nor did I text you because we got a, a, an email from our editor saying leave him alone. Well, I told him, he said, what do you want me to tell people? And I said, well, you know, all, it's nice to get the well wishes, but I'm trying to get some rest. And every time I get a ping, you know, I, I, I have to stop watching porn. So I, that's, that's Look, the part man, I would have mentioned. I would have happily made the drive to bring you, made whatever you wanted. I mean, I, Gross Point is not that far. I don't mind doing it at all. I would have been happy to do it. Metaphorically, it's it's uh, it's a million miles away. But thank you. No, I appreciate that. Um, and then I got to tell you who else I appreciate. I hope you guys appreciate him, too, because the people stocking the shelves at grocery stores know that you do. That's our friend at Altus Beer. We want to celebrate National Beer Day with our friends at Altus Beer. They are the original Detroit lager. They're also our Facebook sponsor. Uh, if you watch us on, on Facebook, we really appreciate it. We're doing very well on Facebook, by the way. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, Trump. though. You don't get the whole show. And this week, if you don't listen to us, if you only watch us on Facebook, you're going to miss a little special treat we got in room 7609 this week. So uh, if I'm putting on the energy dome, that means it's serious. So please listen to the whole show. Download us later. But we're brought to you on Facebook Live by our good friends at Altus Beer. They are the do anything, anytime with anyone beer while social distancing. You know, you can you can roll a beer six feet to your your buddy, your friend, your loved one, your latest conquest and enjoy a nice cold Altus. We have lots of things to start here in Detroit that went away. Altus is one of them, but they're back and they're back better than ever. It's a lager that packs a punch and is seriously smooth and delicious. Go pick up some cans today for yourself and enjoy. Yes, it's at the store. Go to altus.beer and find the location nearest you. That altus.beer to find the location nearest you. If your local store doesn't carry it, ask them. The guys at Altus will bring it to you. I promise this beer is insanely good and you'll be thanking me for the suggestion. And now that I'm off all the meds, one of the best things about it is I can't wait to celebrate with a nice cold Altus. So Altus, thanks for being our Facebook sponsor and being a sponsor of the show. It's as legitimate and soulful as we are. So that's a piece of Detroit in a can. Love it. Lick it. Maybe I should have stopped a second ago. Yeah, you should. Um, anyways, that's your pals at Altus. Hopefully they'll be back. Also, I got to tell you about Broadwell Homes. If being locked in has made you realize your house is way too small, and I would say as this drags on, even the biggest house isn't big enough then it's time to call our new realtor sponsor, Lindsay Broadwell. When it's time to win into a new home, whether you are buying, selling, or both, you need to contact Lindsay Broadwell. Your house is one of your most valuable investments, and that's why you need an agent you can trust and that knows the business inside and out. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate. Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and that everything goes smoothly by finding you a new home, 
that fits your lifestyle. Buyers, sellers, especially first-time buyers, make sure you contact Lindsay at Broadwell Homes. That's broadwellhomes.com or dial 248-767-7767. That's 248-767-7767. Licensed Realtor at Remax Nexus. That's broadwellhomes.com. Tell Lindsay that ML sent you. And we appreciate Lindsay sticking with us through these difficult times. As I say, this is when we find out who our friends are. And it's good to have friends like this. And we hope that you'll give them a chance too. Because as long as they're here, we're here. And as long as you're there, we'll all be here. Sean, did that make sense? No. I did. It did. Just, uh, you know, don't tell anybody to lick anything. And I think we're okay. If you can't lick them, you can join them. Okay, there you go. Right? Is that... Is that a saying? Does that work, Mark? Uh, Anything to keep moving off of uh, this. (laughs) If we agree with you, we just move on. (laughs) Actually, before we do, I got to tell you something. When you're buying that house with Lindsay. Yeah. What now? You got to finance it, right? I mean, we got that kind of money laying around. Yes, you do. Not me. No. I'm still waiting for that check. I think we're all waiting for that check. Some of us are going to get them. Some of us aren't. (sighs) But that's a topic for another day. Trying to keep it positive here on the soul of Detroit. And our friends at Hall Financial always keep it positive. With a couple questions for our listeners. Are you paying more than 4% in your mortgage? Do you have lingering high interest credit card yes. debt? High interest credit card debt. You do not want that yeah, right about now. You may or may not know it, but right now rates are within fractions of a percentage point of their lows of the last decade. So if I may be so bold, let me give you a suggestion that you call the company with over 1,000 five-star reviews, including our own. And that has recently been averaging 10 days from start to finish on listeners that have applied for a refinance of their mortgage. And that's our pals at Hall Financial. It's a simple process, and it's no secret that saving money is smart, especially now. If you want to check in and see if something makes sense for you, go to davidhallmortgage.com and get started. Or call 248-308-5000, ask for Dan Morrison, and make sure to tell me you were sent there by the Soul of Detroit. Equal housing lender, NMLS, 1467435. Bam, cut, print, done. Get it done, folks. (laughs) What a difference a week makes, man. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask how Teresa's doing? I mean, last week we saw her making sandwiches behind you, but I know you told me the other day she's not feeling so hot. Yeah, no, she got hit really hard, and they thought that she had a, uh, a sinus infection, but um, but she took the medication for that and was still feeling pretty worn out. And and one thing with this, with this uh, COVID-19 is if you have it, there's a pretty good chance that everybody in your orbit has it. So yeah. she's... Uh, She's been uh, doing pretty well, um, but uh, but definitely hit hard. And she went and got tested on Monday. So we Ooh. should know the results of that soon. I, I can't imagine you two sharing a house. Like, you can't leave. I mean, I, I you can nobody can leave. And I know she's in the basement. You're upstairs. Yeah. Do you ever cross yeah. paths? Yeah, we watched a couple movies last night in the basement. I figured, uh, you know, if we're going out, we may as well watch something a little better than she was picking on her own. Not to denigrate the fine work of Jennifer Lopez and the kids from a high school musical. Oh no. But I thought we might watch something a little more classic. Well, once upon a time in the West. Oh, I'm saving that. I'm saving. I don't want to. So what'd you watch? What'd you watch? So we watch the Andromeda strain, which is about <laughs> a, uh, a little bug from space that threatens to destroy the entire world. And, uh, since we're here, you know, that didn't happen. So, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling the ending there. And then we watched uh, the killers with Burt Lancaster 
and um, and with uh, a a couple cameos by William Conrad, who does some of the voiceover in our intro, Ava Gardner, to the show. Ava Gardner, oh. <sighs> Ava, you, you can see why the Swede went so bad. Ava Gardner will uh, will lead you to a life of crime or wherever she has a hankering to go. Have you ever watched anything that was made in this century? <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, uh, what you I always watch, watch old stuff. Fairly recent. Yeah, I don't know. I've been watching the Sandbaggers, which is a 1970s Cold War British uh, spy exactly. show. But uh, that's this. Oh, that was last century, right? I mean, no time. I figured everybody has to watch Tiger King. It's almost a, a national edict right now. Oh, there's. Uh, you know what I watch? I watched Aaron Aaron Hernandez thing okay. um, a couple months ago. Yeah. No, the uh, the with, one with um, Wetzel on Netflix. Uh, on Netflix, because I thought it would be good for me to to watch some documentaries since I was taking a job at the Free Press to work on a documentary. Well, that kind of didn't pan out so far, but that was pretty good. I thought they were they were uh, the whole thing about him and his high school quarterback having a relationship was very strange. There was a sure. It was. It's an interesting series. I'll tell you that. Hey, Mark, what 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 have you watched the last few weeks? I know what we've watched has become such a topic of yeah of a conversation, right? It's almost a currency, like you know, Tiger King. There's a uh, documentary on Netflix. I tend to watch it. So Tiger King's out. How to fix a drug scandal? I think uh, ML, you would really like that one. Mm. Um, that's on Netflix as well. Um, the HBO Wetzel had another good one. Wetzel Dan Wetzel did. The Aaron Hernandez one, but then he also just did the scheme that was on HBO about the basketball uh, Adidas payout where they're trying to bust coaches. So, I, oh yeah, I'm a sucker for for documentaries. And then um, regular shows, Hunters on Amazon Prime. I just finished about hunting Nazis in the 70s. I think that'd be up your guys' alley too. With Pacino. I tried with, Ozark uh, with uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, Pacino is uh, the main star. It's funny you mentioned Ozark. Did did you stick with Ozark or was it too dark for you? I, I got about six episodes in and I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. You know, like I, I watched Justified a couple of years ago and thought it was excellent. Mm. And it was, it had some of that sort of, uh, it's sort of um, uh, subculture um, living off the grid. There's the law and then there's the real law. Uh, a feeling to it, but there also had some humor in it. And Ozark, six or seven episodes in, I'm I'm waiting, I'm waiting to even you know crack half a smile. It's just too bleak. I I um, and I love Jason Bateman, but I couldn't I couldn't uh, I I had to bail on it. I think uh, there is some humor in it, and if you can How get far? into it, there's I I don't know, there's five or six characters in the show. A couple of them are gone now. If you're into the third season. We are that, are, that are really something, but the, the, the breakout star is Julia Garner, plays a character named Ruth, who says the wisest thing I've seen on television in the last couple of years, right? Profound. It's like a Rasheed Wallace ball don't lie type thing. When she says, I don't know shit about fuck. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I guess you can. Right. Was she the one who owns the blue note or the blue cat? No, she's a, that's Jordina Spiro, I think is her name. Uh, I like Rachel. Her. No, she's good too. No, Ruth is the sort of the young matriarch, if you can say that, of the, of the trailer park clan, mm-hmm. the, the Langmores. Oh, yeah, I don't like her. Oh, she's, a, she's incredible. I like her when she started to run the strip club better. I didn't like her at the, at the, at the resort. I thought she was going to mess that up, and I like the lady who owns the resort. But just the way she speaks, the force she speaks, I, you know, the, the Snells who run the poppy fields. I, we don't need to get off at Ozark here, but there, there's some great characters with a lot of depth. I think that's why people 
are drawn to it, not just the, the bleak crim criminal aspect. We are live on Facebook right now, and one of the Facebook commenters, uh, commenters has popped down here. Yes. Um, I, I was sucked into the broadcast. I was watching from the beginning, ML, and I, I guess somebody's sick, and I was kind of dream-weavering away, and then you guys start talking about great watches, and, and I wanted to throw in my pick. Long Strange Trip about the Grateful Dead on Amazon Prime. Four parts, Scorsese, it'll eat up five, six hours of your day. It was really good, and I'm not a deadhead. Do you even know that you watched it? That's my question. <laughs> Absolutely. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I start dream weaving when people jump onto my show and just start talking about their favorite TV shows. <laughs> so, Sorry, so what, what happened there? I'm kind of, no, I kind of faded out for a minute there. I, I'm aware that somebody's <laughs> sick or somebody's got a, a virus or something. And I, I mean, I just, it just, the details spaced me out a little bit. And then, uh, it wasn't the orange sunshine. <laughs> I, I said I had the fever for the flavor of new Pringles. And then you went, you went sick house on me. It was <laughs> an unmitigated attack. I was, no, ML, I was you, you threw me because you always are so quick with a joke or a one liner. And I, I, I said something about on the comments about how this could be your last broadcast because you have coronavirus. And then you start getting kind of emotional. And it's like, oh, fuck, I feel like such a dick. <laughs> no yeah. And by the way, I, you're out of the will. I'm going to make it. <laughs> uh, I know you're going to make so it. So it's over. It's well, you know, you know what I started to do to watch shows. Um, I, I, Teresa was watching Criminal Minds, which is one of these many shows that are indistinguishable, indistinguishable to me that I can't stand. So the whole time I watched two episodes with her, the whole time Thomas Gibson came onto the screen, that look on his face, I would just make up dialogue where he's just constantly looking for a bathroom because he always looks like he has to take a <laughs> shit. You know, his brow is always furrowed. He'll walk in there and there'll be like a bunch of people will say, well, we, you know, we've got 24 hours. If we don't find it in 24 hours, the odds are going <laughs> to solve this. And he walks in with that look on his face. And I'm like, yeah, can we, uh, can we hold up the investigation? I just got to use your can real quick. I just got to, uh, I got to pinch one. It was the only way I could get through the show. It's, it's, it's. Try some, uh, try some British, it. try some British uh, procedurals if you want to, right? Like Broadchurch, which is really good, or Line of Duty, which is great. It's up in your neck of the woods. In, but in that's Ireland. Thomas, Thomas Gibson needed to leave a Line of Duty. I was trying that. <laughs> that's my <good> point. <laughs> oh my God, man. Gary Haji, if you want the Japanese London uh, sort of mishmash. What is that? Uh, Gary Haji. It's on Netflix. Right. Sean talking about uh, choices. I'm dreamweavering again. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, wait a hey, let me let me tell you about this boil I got, Drew. It's um, it's ready to rupture. Uh, should I continue? You know what? You just don't want to watch anything that's not about yourself. I guess that's that's what it comes down to. I think we're running you know, out of things you know, to watch. I'll tell you what a great show is. It's called Second Sight with Clive Owen. It's about a uh, a top notch British. A detective who's going blind but won't admit it while he's trying to solve these cases. It's kind of a a breakout show for Clive Owen back in the, probably the nineties. It's do they good. breeze do they breeze through the medical part where he's going blind? Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of detail on it? Because yeah, I'll get when, lost when his sight goes. It looks like he literally is dream weaving. Everything takes on kind of a halo effect. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll tell us about upstairs. that Grateful Dead thing. Those things are usually over in what a couple of years. Uh, it's, it's a lengthy four piece thing, but I, I'm telling you, it's an incredible story going from the acid tests to the dead comeback in the eighties to, to making almost a billion dollars in a decade touring and what happens to the deadheads. There's more people outside the show than inside the show. Jerry's death. It actually ends with Jerry's death. So, and you hear like three notes for six hours, right? Oh, boy. 
Somebody doesn't like the Grateful Dead, I guess. <laughs> How many Grateful Dead songs do you listen to, Sean? <coughs> There's only one, isn't Let's there? I've been listening to Grateful Dead song for 40 years, right? It's the soundtrack <laughs> I'm of with you. Earth. Yeah. Okay. Someone right, just forget it. Ignore me. Somebody on Facebook Live is calling you Maz for coming down to the show in uh, Time Vampire. Vampire. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I'm, going I'm just upstairs. there. I'm glad you came down. I'm just saying someone, are you being equated to Maz? I'm going to watch the Andromeda Strain, by the way. I'm excited about that. <laughs> no, we're, we're, always, we're always happy to help out some of the junior partners on the Red Shovel Network. So uh, come down anytime, Drew. I think it might be your house anyway, right? So uh, <laughs> I know. It is his house, so. You're, you're always welcome at your house, Drew. He's doing a very good job socially distancing himself from me while I'm here, too. So I appreciate that. Oh, man. Such a cruel, such a cruel master, that, that Drew Lane fella. Well, um, boys, you think we should dial in our buddy in Brooklyn to get a little taste of what may lie ahead here for Detroit if we can't get our arms around this thing? Yeah, I really can't figure out if New York is as bad as they're saying or worse or if it's because... I don't know. I, I want to know how bad it really is because I've watched a lot of Cuomo talking and he says, you know, 80% of us are going to get this and the hospitals will overrun. But then at the same time, you have to see other people that are out and about in Central Park or watching a big ship uh, roll in. Yeah, well, the, the term he uses whenever we talk is dystopian. To hear these stories from New York is is really, really frightening. And, and we keep hearing that we're the next New York. We're Michigan's the third hottest spot in the country. Um, and boy, if we get to be anywhere near New York, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty, pretty scary. Um, one of, uh, one of my, my man's friends runs an ER over there and he's been to, uh, he's been to war and in a bunch of different situations. And this ER doc says there's nothing like that. So it looks like we're, we're joined now by our Brooklyn correspondent, uh, David University Stearns. Dave, are you with us? I am, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good, man. We're, we're on the beat in the COVID-19 hotline here. So thanks for, thanks for taking some time. I know you don't have very much time, but I was just telling these folks that uh, I've never seen the word dystopian pop up in our conversations before. And we've cheered for Spartan football for a long time. So that gives you some idea how bad things are. What, uh, what's going on in Brooklyn today? Um, you know, it's, it's, as you've probably seen in a lot of the stories that you've been reading online, um, it's definitely a, a changed city. Um, uh, as I was mentioning to you the other day when we were chatting, um, you know, I pretty much am hearing sirens constantly all day long. And uh, there's definitely a, a, a tension and an anxiety on the streets that is very unusual um, for the city. Um, Streets are fairly empty, although the parks are completely packed, which has been a bit perplexing. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, not a fun place to be right now. So you're in you're in Brooklyn, normally uh, a fairly you know tightly packed city, a lot of brownstones, a lot of shoulder to shoulder living. But uh, where do you go now? I mean, are you afraid to even step out of your door because there's there's going to be no way to social distance from all that humanity? Yeah, it's so the density is definitely an issue. And I should actually preface this by saying, you know, I want to just make clear that, you know, me personally, I, I have not experienced the brunt of this myself. You know, I'm, I'm doing okay here 
you know, my, my thoughts and, and, and prayers are really with the people who are experiencing this in a far more direct, you know, way than I am. The doctors and the healthcare workers, the grocery workers, everyone who's actually out there still having to sort of face this thing head on, anyone who's been affected by it, including yourself. Um, that's, uh, you know, my, my thoughts are with them first and foremost. I've, I've actually been pretty fine. But I will say from the density perspective, it does get very tricky. People, um, you know, my neighbors, I think, are trying to do the best that they can to uh, to socially distance. It sounds like, is that one of your Apuches back there, Mike? <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, that's little baby shithead who um, <laughs> keeps us all very much active by cleaning up his accidents and telling them to shut up 24 hours a day. Like right now. Hey, shut up. They're sick of you being quarantined as well. Come here. Get over here. Come here. Come here. Everybody'd like to see a dog that's about to get killed. Come hey, here. David, um, reg- for, those, for those of you who don't know, Mike had a, adopted a dog when we were at Michigan State named Tiffany, um, who is a far better, well, uh, a far more well-behaved pooch. <laughs> oh, what'd you name? Why'd you name her Tiffany? Uh, she was already named that. Oh. Uh, plus, she hung out at malls a lot. Yeah, it's uh, and I, I just I should have known a joke like that was coming. <laughs> Uh, Dave, the 80s, man. <laughs> David, I wanted to ask you, you know, you talk about the density and the subways had been running regular schedules because, you know, they got to get healthcare workers to the hospitals. People, you know, the essential employees need to get to where they're going. But at the same time, there's a lot of idiots there that are riding the subways. What What is the status of that right now? Well, I haven't been anywhere near a subway since the beginning of March, so I couldn't tell you from firsthand experience. In fact, the last two days, but I, I work in Manhattan in Union Square. If you know Manhattan, it's sort of like sort of lower part of Manhattan. And the last the last three or four days that I even went into the office, I rode my bike in because I wanted nothing to do with the subways. Um, but I do know that ridership is down about seventy five percent. But I'm sure that there are still people making some unwise choices out there. Well, yeah, I mean the the one famous shot was when the uh, the ship is it the Mercy? I can't remember which one was on which coast. Uh, when it arrived, there were a bunch of people out there socially gathering to watch a ship come in. And I'm just kind of shocked that, uh, that that kind of stuff was still going on. Yeah, well, you know, my neighbors, I think, are doing a, trying to do their best to socially distance. But, you know, when I walk out, um, my girlfriend and I take our dog for a walk up. And we live a block away from Prospect Park, which is a massive park. It's actually bigger than Central Park. And even in that big space, it's really hard to keep your distance. You know, we try to walk single file, stay on one side of the path. And there's still a bunch of jokers, particularly some of the runners are out there. We got, I actually had a guy run past me just the other day over the weekend, literally bump into me as he ran by me, you know, because he couldn't, couldn't take the moment to just sort of slow his gait up and give us a little warning so we could move off to the side, let him clear by us safely. So it was a, you know, there's still some knuckleheads out there who aren't behaving. In fact, Funny anecdote, um, Mayor de Blasio uh, lives about, or used to live about three blocks from here, where I live, before he became mayor. And as you've probably seen, he's getting a lot of heat. He still has his security detail drive him out here uh, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, where he still likes to hang out in Prospect Park. And in fact, the other morning when I was walking the dog, we saw Mayor de Blasio walking it was an hour after he had issued a PSA urging all New Yorkers to wear a mask. He wasn't wearing a mask. Oh, God. So. It, it, that's a really interesting thing that was going on there because being, you know, not near New York, anytime you see something with New York, it's been the governor and de Blasio had been just absent until, you know, a couple of days ago when he was on the Today Show. Is that just because nobody likes him there? Nobody wants to listen to him? Or is 
Cuomo just that, um, I don't know, that in charge of the situation? Cuomo has definitely cut a figure of managerial competence. I think at moments like this, uh, people are sort of hungry for just competence, someone who knows how to assess the situation, deploy the resources that are necessary to where they need to get. What they don't really have the patience or stomach for right now are, you know, it's sort of like partisan posturing, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, you know, without getting into the politics of it, I do think that Mayor de Blasio has, you know, tended more towards the sort of the partisan response on this. And uh, he hasn't, you know, really gained the confidence of a lot of New Yorkers. And I would say that across the political spectrum, I think he's got um, folks on all ends of the spectrum sort of asking, where where is your leadership on this? I mean, schools were not closed for too long in New York. And and in fact, it, it took a lot of pressure from parents and the teachers union to get him to finally act on that. And so I, I think he's getting the heat and not the sort of same national credit that, that Governor Cuomo is getting because he hasn't demonstrated that. Just basic empathy and managerial competence. Did you say anything to the runner who bumped into you? Uh, yeah, let's just say that I, I live in Brooklyn, but I gave him a, a bit of the Bronx cheer, let's just say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I definitely let I definitely let him have a piece of my mind. And uh, there was a little bit of an, of an exchange there. Um, you know, it's just common decency. You know, I don't begrudge people want to get out and run, you know, get out and run. But, you know, you know, when you're you see people on the path ahead of you, don't just yell on your right when you're literally on top of them and, and literally brush by them. You know, you need six feet. If you would have just said, you know, hey, I need to get by be my guy's mind. I would have cleared off the path and let the guy go on his merry way. But, you know, people just need to look out for one another. And I think for the most part, people are trying. But, you know, there's there's. Everywhere you go, there's knuckleheads. But I will just say, um, I, I know the you know folks out in Detroit. I, I know that, that you've already kind of been hit more than many of the other cities. But I hope that what um, is coming your way is not as bad as what we've seen and witnessed here. Um, and I'm hoping to get back to uh, to Michigan this fall because uh, we're supposed to be uh, Mike and I are supposed to be heading to that Miami of Florida game this fall. I don't know if that'll be happening or not. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. Well, Dave, yeah. David Stearns, our Brooklyn correspondent, thanks for giving us a, a taste of perhaps things to come. Uh, keep safe. We hope you and Sam don't run in any of those runners anymore. And if they are, at least hopefully they're wearing respectable shorts. I, these nut hugger shorts, that alone should be reason to write somebody a $1,000 ticket. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Take care out there in Michigan. Stay safe. Thanks, Dave. Be safe. Uh, I, I kind of before we go. I, I think um, th- there are a lot of miraculous we things We're not even that I've seen in the segments. past week. Things I never thought I would see. Uh, the face of God, things like that. But perhaps the most staggering one is uh, Mark Fellhauer repairing a washing machine. Oh yeah, I forgot I sent you that picture. Aren't you proud of me? I'm going to ask well, you. Last I heard, there were pieces of it, and then no, the last I heard, it was working. But before that, I saw pictures. Uh, of a washing machine in some state of uh, disassembly. And uh, I see things like that and I say, well, I guess I'm washing my shorts in the sink for a while. All right. So for those that don't know, my washing machine failed. It gave me an error, an error code I've never seen before. Usually it's, you know, an unbalanced and you just mix things around and get it going again. This one had like four digits on it. And I put it into Google. And the first thing is like a video that's 40 minutes long. I'm like, I don't have time for this. So I started washing my clothes over here at uh, Drew's studio slash laundromat. 
And I figured this is a bigger pain in the ass and I got to do something about it. So I want to ask you guys, you know me fairly well. On a scale of 1 to 10, if I told you I was going to fix a washing machine, 10 being uh, there's no way in hell, um, do you, what, what would you give me for a number? Like you think that I could fix something like a washing machine? 23. Two. Two, yeah. I, that's about right. You, so, Sean, you think I could do it, right? I do. Yeah. Drew, Drew gave me a six, which I think is about right. Uh, Brandon gave me a two. My wife gave me a 10. She goes, I didn't think there was a chance in hell you could fix that thing. And I said, No, it's, you can fix it. It's just whether you want to fix it. That's the question. She's confused in the two. Mm, I don't know. I like taking Is that a psychiatry me- joke? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that how low we've sunk? I like no. taking things apart. I'm not very good at putting them back together, but I took my whole washing machine apart, put it back together, and it works now. And it's worked great. And I'm very proud of myself. It's probably the most manly thing I've done uh, since I fathered a so child. So what did you have to do? What was the problem? There was a... Um, it's like a hot pad slash oven mitt that made its way between the tub and the basin. So it wouldn't spin. It was just lodged in there. That was all it was. And I had to so fish it out. You didn't rewire anything or put a module in or no. solder something. No. Or... I took it apart, cleaned it out and uh, replaced the board, the motherboard. Yeah. No, I could never do that. No, no engine stuff. No, that's way over my head. Damn. But I'm still, still impressed. I'm, I'm still, I, I, pu- I pulled I'm, my dryer apart and, uh, and, was thwarted because it had welds that no videos, no manuals, no nothing said should be there, but they were there. And my, my buddy, Bobby Richards came over and bailed me out. Bobby lost his mother last week, by the way. And uh, one of those sad stories where you don't get to say goodbye to somebody because of, you know, this craziness we're in, but, uh, but Bobby bailed me out. And my, uh, my, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to him, not just last week, and this week, but every time I dry my socks. So uh, it's a living tribute to Bobby in my basement. I feel like you have to ask, but was it, did she pass from COVID? Do you know? Uh, she was, she was elderly and had been in a nursing home. Oh. So I, I think there was probably some other stuff going on. I but, mean, uh, when I, when I hear of someone passing, it's the first thing I think of now. And yesterday it happened when, when Al Kaline died, it's like, did he have COVID? Was he sick? And Sean, you wrote a really nice article because uh, you talked to Jim Leland about uh, Al Kaline's effect. Jeez, that dog. Hey, sorry. That's your cue, Sean. No, I just, uh, I'm distracted by the dog. I'm still thinking about the orange sunshine, the fact that we have to listen to the Grateful Dead for however many hours. This is (laughs) all very discombobulating. But but to your point, Mark, uh, yeah, Jim Leland, I talked to him for a while yesterday, and and he talked about... um, Last time he saw him, which is about a month ago in spring training, and and he said he could tell something wasn't quite right with Al uh, without Kaelin at that point. He was only down in spring training for a couple of weeks. Normally, he'd been down there for for longer. And in any case, right before Al came back to Detroit, he asked Leland to to, to join him with his wife Louise to, to to meet for dinner in Lakeland, and they did, and spent a couple of hours reminiscing. You know, they've both been. Uh, I mean, Kaline got to the Tigers organization in 53, Leland did in 64, you know, so they've, mm-hmm. they've known each other a long, long time and they're, you know, baseball guys. And Leland talked about how much Kaline really helped him when he was managing. And even though they had all those successful run years and went to the World Series a couple of times, they, they had years where they weren't meeting expectations. And, oh, yeah. You know, everybody was mad. The media, the fans weren't happy because every year you thought this was going to be the year. 
he talked about how much Kaline helped him through some of that. But in any case, they got back to dinner or got back from dinner that night in Lakeland about a month ago, and they're in the hotel lobby, and, and Lincoln said Kaline leaned over and hugged him and thanked him for all his friendship, for his friendship for all those years, for four or five decades. And Leland said he felt like he was saying goodbye to him then. Wow. And um, he got kind of emotional that night. And he just he just kind of figured. But uh, I, I thought that was a, a moving a moving anecdote. Had he been sick for a while? Do you know? I mean, does anybody know? Yeah, a, a little bit. He'd yeah. been, um, I mean, in 85, right? He started to slow down in some ways. And, and, Jim, and Jim said he had a couple of health issues here and there. Nothing maybe out of the ordinary, but just stuff that might start to slow you down a little bit at that point. I don't know that it was COVID. I haven't heard that, but mm. um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was really something. And the the response, you know, Kaline was tied to so many so many different generations of baseball fans in this state, sure. right? Sure. Well, I was telling so, Drew, I, the first thing I remember him as was a broadcaster, just because of my age. I mean, he did the games, right? Right, right. He was uh, a graceful player. You know, kind of made the game look easy, one of those kind of guys. You know, Leland talked about, and I thought this was interesting, that he played above his talent level. Mm. You know, wasn't, wasn't a super, super talent, but was so fundamentally sound in everything he did, and he was really good in everything he did, and you combine those two things, and it's almost kind of creating an overachiever in, in a way, right? Yeah. And, um, just kind of the way, he, uh, the way he went about his business. And so I think he was really admired within the game for the way he was able to maximize his ability. Do you remember when Cal and Kaline used to do at one time, Detroit had the greatest, I think, broadcast sports broadcast uh, uh, teams in the country. You had Sid Abel and Bruce Martin doing the Red Wings. You had uh, Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey doing the Tigers yeah. on the radio. You had, you had George uh, Blaha and Dave Bing doing the Pistons who cares about the lions? And then they had, uh, you had Kellen Kaline on, on TV and it was so great whenever they do those trivia questions. Yeah. Does anybody remember, remember that? Them, when, yeah. uh, when Kaline would just start, Cal would throw out the, uh, it was almost like Rowan and Martin, you know, from laughing, you had the straight guy and then you had, or uh, the Smothers brothers or something. And, and Kaline was always sort of the foil, but Cal uh, would read the trivia question and then K-Line would throw out some clue like, uh, uh, well, um, he's, uh, he's playing center field now for the Tigers. Um, he's number eight, and his <laughs> initials are RL. And then Kel would go like, Al, you gave it away again. It's, you know, and then in inning, I said, yeah, it's Ron LaFleur. You know what I mean? But they had such great chemistry. It was so fun yeah. to listen to them. And, uh, and I think – Kaline was kind of a reserved guy and, and could maybe be, you know, a little salty from, from what I've heard, but he just had such a very, I, 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 I one time went up to him with a couple of friends to get a ball autographed and I'm not really big on autographs, but he took the ball and he autographed and he kind of went on his way. It was very businesslike. And he was one of those guys where the signature was precise. Perfect, I mean, you yeah. could read every letter. It was in cursive. It looked like his first autograph, you know, it had to be his 10,000th, but he had a, a professionalism about him and uh, a very business-like way of doing things that, um, you know, he, he kind of reminded me and, and Drew might appreciate this uh, of Ron Santo on the Cubs broadcast. We had this consummate professional, a pros pro who knew the game 
but also had kind of a, a folksiness that made it fun to listen to him because uh, I don't think there were very many pretensions with uh, with Al Kaline. But um, I'm just watching. But yeah, what a I'm what just, a great dude. I'm gonna watch the stairs now because you said Ron Santo. I just expect him to come flying down <laughs> the vampire more time yeah. away. It's now interesting, Mike. Though you you talk about all those uh, those broadcast partners, the the gat, the, the the folks from that era. You think about George Blaha. Um, I don't know if you've ever, you guys have ever talked to him or met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Casey. I mean, obviously Ernie Harwell. These are some Paul of the just most, or Paul Carey. Sorry, some of the most gentle sort of. Uh, it, there's just some amazing souls in there uh, in that way. It's really, and now Kaline's not that necessarily, but uh, just listening to those names and some of these guys and the way they carry themselves, particularly like Paul Carey. I don't know. You know, we don't think a lot about him these days, but uh, he was really, really something. But he quit when Ernie Harwell got uh, got uh, got chopped. And talk about uh, a a strong um, move by a guy who really you know isn't going to do anything else. I mean, what is what is he going to do? He's going to start doing voiceovers for Art Van or something. I mean, that was a very principled move by somebody who held his partner in the utmost of respect. And who still had a lot of years left. I mean, at least when Ernie was gone, you're like, well, Ernie, you know, Ernie's had 50 years. I'm, I'm Paul Carey. I, I could do this for another 10 or 20 years, but, uh, but I'm not going to stand for this and I'm going to step down. I mean, there was a, there was a quality and a class uh, that those guys had that I think is, um, is, let's just put it this way. They're not getting in fights in the broadcast. But, no. uh, anyways, <laughs> exactly. You know, if, if the fire you know, was, this if, was pre clown show. If Ernie and Paul leaving has taught me anything in this career, is that you never really want to follow the legend. Do you remember who came after them? Yes, we all do, because when we say their names, uh, I'm sorry for them, but we spit. It's Rass and, and Riz. Riz and Rathbun. I mean, Rathbun and, and, and Bob Riz and Bob Rathbun, who <laughs> had the unfortunate names, of Rick. course, but also uh, were indistinguishable. And even the home run call was cribbed. So yeah. it's like, sorry, boys. Yeah, this well, is not uh, the opportunity wait, you thought it was. Was it goodbye baseball? Was that his home run call? I thought it was goodbye Mr. Spalding or something. Oh, or goodbye boy. baseball. Yeah, I and mean, it was. They're both working in the business. I think Riz has been with the with the Mariners for like years and Rathbuns and, and basketball. So it's just. Wasn't like, he from Seattle? Or? He I, was. I think and so. That's, that's why I'm particularly uh, uh, unforgiving with those guys because they had good jobs. It wasn't like they've been doing this for 50 years. And this is my shot. I'm going to, if I don't do this, I'll never get a shot. It's like they had good jobs. Yeah. You're going to be remembered by the way you come through the door. Remember that there's some stain that you take on your first day that never gets washed out. Not even in Mark's newly repaired washing (laughs) machine. Well, they got it right with Dan Dickerson. Yeah. Dickerson's great. High quality individual. Yeah. He's yeah, absolutely. And he's, and he's really good in the booth and, he is a pro on all in, in every sense. Well, he was respectful of Ernie and he learned from Ernie and there was never, while I'm sure he's very eager to be the main guy, you never got the sense that he was like, Hey, Ernie, uh, you seem a little tired today. Maybe this would be a good time to go spend some time gardening with Ms. Lulu. You know, he was, he was, uh, he was uh, a gentleman to replace a gentleman. And, and if, if it was me, if I had a chance, and I, I give I give the radio station some credit for letting them have all those people in the booth, but boy, oh boy, if you could spend a couple of years learning your craft from one of the best ever, yeah. you know, who wouldn't want that to go on forever? You know, I mean, that would just be, 
every day a privilege because Ernie was one of those guys who didn't treat people like, oh, you're stepping over my grave, are you? Okay, you know. I mean, he was he was uh he was the very embodiment of dignity, I think. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. So we all need ways to get through these difficult times. We all need something to distract us a little bit. Sometimes it's a, a dog that barks and pees and craps all over your house. I recommend not going that way. But the NBA thinks they may have a plan, and that's to have a players-only league in, in Las Vegas where there'd be no fans or just be games. And then... MLB is getting caught up by saying, maybe we'll just have baseball in Arizona with no fans, just players and games. And apparently the PGA is talking about doing somebody who cares about the PGA anyways. So, <coughs> so I, uh, I can see why they want to do this. I'm sure they don't want to cede the entire sports landscape to the NFL, but I got to tell you, I'm, I go back to what LeBron said in the beginning, no fans, no games boys. Why? I think, I think need... the fans are part of the game. I think it's okay. part of the spectacle. The fans I... can't be there now, though. This is the this is what we're dealt with. So any sense of normalcy, I think, is good. So I'd like to see. I'd like to see some new games. You know, as long as these guys are healthy and been tested, which if, I feel like every NBA player has been tested. Um, unlike I think WWE just tech, check their temperature before they had their big thing. It's weird. It's different, but it's something. Sean. No, I agree. And I saw a photo yesterday from a baseball stadium in South Korea, and they were playing a game with nobody in the stands. It, lo- it, it looks like batting practice before they open up the gates a little bit, right? I mean, where you got a few groups spread around the field, nobody in. And I don't have a problem with it either. As long as they test and the, the, the science is there and the, the safety, obviously, for yeah. the players and the staff that are going to have to support them, as long as they, they take care of all that. I think people will actually watch it, especially if the NBA, if it's just the playoffs, if they're just going to do a, a tournament, right? Which they should. A base, baseball will be a little trickier. Like if they want a regular season or at least a truncated regular season where they're going to have regular season games, you know, is anybody going to watch a couple of teams that are sub 500 and there's nobody in the stands? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe at first that because of, we're going to be so starved for it, but is that sustainable? But for the NBA, I think it makes a lot of sense. And and for golf, too, especially if they want to hold the majors. I know um, the Masters has kind of left it up in the air. The PGA and the U.S. Open, I think, would like to to uh, to hold their tournaments, too. I think people would watch those as far as regular tournaments. I don't know. Now, would you go cover those? Would you expect to be able to get in the locker room to ask these guys questions afterwards? No, locker rooms, I would think, would be absolutely off limits. Uh, they could put somebody up on a dais and spread people out and treat it kind of like the, the the press briefings at the White House and various other press briefings why, why you know, that, that politicians have had around the country. I would think it would be like that, and they'd social distance in the press box. Um, they'd limit the amount of reporters. I mean, I don't know. This is just speculation, but just kind of think it off the top of my head. Spread us out, limit the amount of folks. But they'd want some reporters there just to create buzz i mean we don't do that intentionally but just by our presence right i i think so, i think it would be huge too because people are dying to watch it i agree right now i agree and, and they could get creative with it maybe they mic up certain players or at least for baseball they can mic them up do you guys remember uh, a few years ago it was baltimore and the white Sox played a game without any fans because of the freddie gray riots in baltimore mm-hmm. do you guys remember that at all 
I remember it Vaguely, happening, but I didn't see any it. Of was, it was one of the most interesting games I've seen because you could hear a lot more of what the players are saying and doing. And I, it's just, it's different. Now that would wear off after a few games, but in a truncated season to, to your point, Sean, where two teams are sub 500, they're still within distance because there's not 162 games. Well, that might make a difference too. You're right. I, but I'm, I'm with you. I think the thing about baseball too, that, and I know people watch uh, the playoffs to some degree, although even those ratings are down baseball more than any other sport is still, let's go to the park and take the kids sure. and take the family. It's, it's a, it's a visceral experience in that way. The other sports translate, I think better to, well, particularly football, obviously it's the best, but in basketball too, it's, they don't need the fans as much, you know, I, in that sense, I think the baseball, you, that would be really interesting there. You're going to sit and watch, maybe the radio would be um, the way to handle that. Right. Yeah. And people, uh, they could even pump in some noise. Back well, we made, the, we made the sound joke, effects or something. We made the joke earlier that uh, we're running out of things to watch. So people would, would watch a Tigers uh, Mariners game in front of no people right now. Or, or listen to it, right? Yeah. So you don't have to – I mean, it would sound like a spring training game. ML scoffing. Yeah, no, I uh, to me, I, I just – it just – now, in truth, for the last couple of years, the Tigers basically played in an empty stadium. Exactly. So we have seen what this would be like. So I guess we should uh, – we shouldn't discount that. Fair point. You know, with, with baseball, you don't really have as much interaction. You don't hit the other players as much as you do. Basketball is an incredibly – uh, physical sport. Even when Sean and I were playing in my backyard, guys are bodying up on each other. So I don't, true. I don't think that sends a good message to people that we want to return to that kind of conduct, even in a controlled setting. Baseball, I could see kind of doing it, but I, I'd be more interested in seeing these guys do some of the things that they're talking about, like a horse tournament. Or if we go back to the old days, Boring. we have, remember when Home Run Derby used to be a baseball uh, show yeah. where you'd have Jackie Robinson goes Eddie up Matthews, and then you have yeah. uh, Gil Hodges comes up and, and we could watch those. You replays. like that because that was That's the last kind of century. Interesting. That was another last century thing. That's why you like it. <laughs> would, would you rather, let me ask you this. Would you rather watch say, um, you know, an NBA game with nobody, no fans, just them out on the court, or would you rather watch what they've been doing kind of the esports tournament where a player is playing against another one and they're trash talking while playing a video game. Mike wants battle of the network stars back. He wants a loop of the, the ski jumper crashing off, you know, the wide world of sports intro. I mean, this is, come on, man. Well, I'll tell you what boys, they can sell tickets, but I ain't buying one. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Last week, the California Highway Patrol had a officer rumbling down Harbor Avenue on his motorcycle in San Pedro, California. And he saw a most extraordinary thing. A freight train was flying off the end of the tracks. The Washington Post says it didn't even try to slow down. It smashed through the concrete and steel barriers at the track's end near the port of Los Angeles. It crashed through a chain link fence, careened through a parking lot and another gravel lot, barely missed three occupied vehicles, and then finally, after taking out another offense, came to a halt. Lying roughly 800 feet ahead was the U.S. Navy ship Mercy, 
the Navy medical ship providing relief to hospitals overburdened with coronavirus patients, where police now believe the train's engineer was intentionally headed. And in fact, that turns out to be precisely what was going on. The suspect, a gentleman named Eduardo Moreno, said, you only get this chance once. The whole world is watching. I had to. People don't know what's going on here. Now they will. Prosecutors say Moreno is suspicious of the mercy, believing officials were lying about its true purpose. Of course, its purpose was to go and provide relief to these hospitals that are packed to the rafters. He believed, this is Mr. Moreno, that had an alternate purpose related to COVID-19 or a government takeover. In interviews with the FBI and Los Angeles Port Police, Moreno said everything was normal and no one was pushing my buttons when he came to work that day. He said he hadn't spoken to anyone about wrecking a train. Good thing. And didn't even plan it until the idea came to him spontaneously that well, afternoon. Of course, no. Of course, he didn't plan it. No one tries to take something out with a train. They're on a track. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Another great British show. Uh, but in his conspiratorial mind, Moreno told detectives he had been putting the pieces together. Oh, thank God. Yes. He no longer believed the ship is what they say it's for. He believed they are segregating us and it needs to be put in the open. <sighs> it didn't explain what he meant by that, but I think you can guess. He was pushing his last train of the day, a cargo bound for Vietnam when the idea hit him. He could draw the world's attention to the mercy if he derailed the train and then people could see for themselves, he could wake people up. Mm. Well, he did. Well, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Moreno and everybody out there who thinks that this is a conspiracy, who thinks that, uh, that this is all a political game, who thinks that this is some sort of three-dimensional chess game that we're playing, let me tell you something. You're wrong. Get your shit together. Stay in your house and keep your choo-choo on the tracks. Eduardo, you may have been wrong, but you got one thing to brag about. You're our Geek of the Week. We've wanted to play Devo for a long time in room 7609. We've had lots of suggestions. But the thing is about Devo, so much of their work is so well known. And we've kind of been looking for the right opportunity to bring something out. Well, we were contacted by someone who mistakenly thought that our intro last week was from Human Highway, a very bizarre film put together by Neil Young. And I had to listen to a little bit of Human Highway to make sure that there was... No confusion, and I'm not sure where the confusion came from, but it inspired me to do a little digging into this very, very bizarre movie that Neil Young put together and that starred Mark Mothersbaugh and the boys from Devo. And within that, so that, that very singular movie, there was a cover of a great Neil Young tune by Devo. And so we are going to play it perhaps for the first time ever. I mean, I guess it's been played before, but for us, it's the first time ever. So enjoy. Uh, what can I say? I'm going to let it speak for itself. <laughs> boys, 
Take it away. Hey, hey, my, my. as a satisfaction, the Rolling Stones cover that they do. But um, Neil Young and Devo, you're kind of bringing rock geniuses and geeks together all on one tune. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, I kind of like it. I actually like it a lot. Sean, yeah, did you hate it, it Sean? Oh, uh, no, I, I liked it. I did. You're a liar. No. You did not like it. <laughs> well, like's probably a little strong. It was fine. <laughs> you tolerated Sean it. Sean said it's his best work was Russ Never Sleeps. Should have <laughs> yeah. left it at that. Same album, right? Uh, no, I'm just, I still can't believe Mike doesn't like any television that was made in the last 50 years. <laughs> I, know, I know. There's such great TV after it's unbelievable. 2000. Don't watch Fleabag, which is. is I like Justified. Is, Didn't I say Justified? Any movie. Have you seen Fleabag? Uh, I've seen some of the previews. Uh, Fleabag is amazing. It's phenomenal. Well, it's about a strong woman, so you wouldn't like that. But <laughs> Mark, go watch Fleabag. I love Fleabag. I like Zena. She's very strong. I think Fleabag's great. And then uh, Phoebe Waller. What's her name? Phoebe Waller Bridges. Phoebe Waller Bridges. Yeah, Bridges. she, she did yeah. Um, Killing Eve, and season three starts this weekend. So that's another good show. That's, another, that's a show I think you would like, too, ML. Yeah, Insecure is coming back, too. I don't know if you like Insecure, but okay. you, you probably would, Mark. Mike probably would. <laughs> I, I live with insecurities every day. Um, the, this Human Highway uh, is a very strange movie. It was a uh, sort of project, uh, maybe a lark done by Neil Young. And one of the premises, I think, is kind of fitting today because the um, 
he's he plays this goober who works at a gas station who dreams of being a rock star and he also plays the rock star he dreams of being but the uh, guys from devo work down the street at a nuclear plant where basically all they do is they they bottle up all the nuclear waste in these big drums and then they take them and they're supposed to dispose them but they just dump them in a nearby river and of course that has some devastating consequences i don't want to ruin the ending of the movie for anybody but um seems perfectly casted What's that? Doesn't seem perfectly cast. Yeah. Neil Young is a goober. They already got the hazmat suits, right? I mean, maybe that's why they were chosen, because they could keep the costs down on uh, on wardrobe. But um, but even even an apocalyptic goofball uh, movie by a Canadian-American rocker who liked Ronald Reagan can yield some good music. So that's... Room seven six oh nine. What is going on in your house right now? What is going on with that dog? Uh, I don't know, but I'd rather hear the dog than what we just listened to. (laughs) So you don't like it? Finally, (laughs) a little truth. Uh, No, I'm kidding. I, I no, I I actually like you both, and I did like it. I'm just having fun. I did. It was fine. Uh, I'm not sure this dog is going to be with us next week. (laughs) That dog needs some uh, attention. But if you can find some time to join us, we certainly appreciate it here on the old. Soul of Detroit. There's uh, lots of ways that you can find out about the next show. We still have a problem with Facebook not wanting us to put our website up there. So please subscribe to the show. So when a new episode's ready, it'll pop right up. We certainly appreciate it if you don't mind rating it. And if you could share it with your friends who maybe are not quite hip to the scene yet, that's much appreciated. And Mark, I, I know there's lots of ways for people to support the show with donations and to purchase fine products. How do they how do they do that? Yeah, if you, uh, if you just want to donate, mlsoladetroit.com, little donate button on the top. You can use your PayPal, uh, any amount. We appreciate it. If you want something in return, there's a store, drewandmikestore.com, some uh, T-shirts, hockey sweaters, and, of course, the very important Kwame Sutra book. That's right. Signed copy of the Kwame Sutra. You need some fine literature while you're locked in your house. And then there's lots of stickers, which you can use oh, that's to right, put yeah. on Sean's bumper when you see him. <laughs> Perhaps he's not dropping amu- he's some not persimmons amused. off down he's, the block. He's just not amused. I'm glad you're feeling better. You seem miles better than you have even in the past month. Yeah. Well, well it's, really I'll tell so. you, um, when you've been on your back and you start to get up a little bit, you realize how nice it is to be only half miserable as opposed to completely miserable. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the support of people who listen to these shows and are kind enough to reach out. It means a lot folks. And we really appreciate it. Please, please be just as kind to everybody, you know, as you have been to us. And uh, if anybody would like a dog, (laughs) I'm taking offers. Let me just warn you, he shits in the house, but, um, but who doesn't, right? I think it's the owner's problem. Yeah, if we could find a toilet, we'd be in good shape. But um, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, be good to each other. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. And we'll be back next week. You've been listening to the Red Shovel Network. This is ML Soul of Detroit. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? is a dark tunnel whose other end might lead to the final encounter with a many-faced enemy. But for the moment, it leads to safety. Mm